Hello and welcome to Sabertown. This is your happy hour, two for the price of one. We're getting on that Sabertown train and we're getting ready to ride, ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. And here with me today is the wonderful King. Hello, King. Good morning, Karina. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be drifted now that he's concentrating on SobertownPodcast.com. And for anybody listening, I just recommend that you actually go to SobertownPodcast.com. Um, it's a full resource for everything that has to do with sobriety. Yeah. So do you like my intro? That was very good. That was very good. <laughs> you, you are complete. Hello, yeah, because he does that for us. Eric. Yeah, you're oh. a complete Sobertown fan. It's great. I certainly um, am. I certainly am. Yeah. And you, you, thank you for coming to ride this train with me again today in the absence of our dear Polly, who is continuing to recover and recuperate. And um, hopefully she'll be back with us again soon. But as I said last time, we're trying to keep her away as long as we possibly can so that she can recover. Um, but I, I am waiting for that conductor's whistle to go. <laughs> And a, com a commotion with her trying to scramble back on the train. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what? It was lucky that we didn't stop last time because she wanted to get on board. But we just kept going. We went yeah. to the next station, left her behind, <laughs> so she had to go home and rest. Oh, see, she'll be laying across that track, won't she? Flagging us down. <laughs> yeah. Stop! Stop! <laughs> we she'll love you, Polly. Yeah, we love you, Polly. <laughs> Um, right, so we, we um, chatted earlier um, in the week in a happy hour and you um, finished that by reading the, the top 20 plus that somebody had written, the things that change in the first 30 days of sobriety. And um, as I was listening back to it, I was thinking, wow, that would be a really good um, podcast to do, just focusing on those, those 20 plus. I think you've added a couple of other bits to it now. And, and looking at how it's changed for us through our journeys. Yeah, you're right, Karina. And, you know, I was looking at that and I thought it's amazing how quickly it happens that our body and our mind start to recuperate. And it's so frustrating when you first start out because it really is tough. But if you can just knuckle through it, like we said before, and get to the point of, you know, you start to feel pretty good pretty quickly. Um, you know, the alcohol itself gets out of your body um fairly fairly quickly but the thing is it's the other stuff that you know that you've got to sort of get your head around too the number one thing that we covered was the blood pressure and you know alcohol raises your blood pressure and I know this because I've had and got well not anymore but I had high blood pressure and I was on medication for it and you know having said that you know I had my blood pressure tested and now it's actually normal it's amazing that you know it has actually gone down because what it does is, you know, the hypertension basically increases um, the risk, especially if you're over 35 years of age, because your blood vessels narrow. And so your heart has to pump harder for the blood. And I don't know about you, but in my family, hypertension runs really high. And we've had a lot of um, the people before me in my family actually pass away with heart attacks. So, yeah. guys, you know, it is not doing your body. It's putting your body under terrible strain. And the more you drink, obviously, the higher that's going to become because mine was out of control there in the end. So I felt really good about that. That's, that's just, you know, give you some, some peace of heart right there. Wouldn't it? Just knowing that you've got normal blood pressure. 
Yeah, and I, I've, I've got a big history in my family of um, pulmonary embolisms and that's what my grandparents died of and lots of strokes and things like that. And I used to rationalise it with drinking because alcohol can thin your blood. So in my mind, oh, well, I'm saving myself from having a pulmonary embolism or a stroke or a DVT. What bullshit? Because at the same time, of course, I'm then putting arsenic and poison into my system and as with any arsenic or any sort of poison the body has to work really hard to try and eliminate it and in doing that it's going to make your heart beat a lot faster and a lot harder to try and get that rubbish out of your body as quickly as it can so you know for every good thing that people say I mean my mum bless her she she doesn't like alcohol she's not a drinker but the other day she said to me quite proudly that she's even making herself have a couple of of mouthfuls of red wine at night because it is good for you um and i've tried to explain no mum it's not good for you you know you can you can get red grape juice would do just the same as what alcohol is purporting to do and there was actually a report recently actually a medical report that came out on research that was actually showing that that alcohol does lower the risk of um cpas and bleeds and and clots if you've already got heart disease and I'm like this is such rubbish it may well do that but it doesn't tell you about all the other bad stuff that that it does to you and you know the reason it does that is because it thins the blood now so do medications like warfarin which is basically rat poison you know there's lots of other things out there that thin your blood but are you going to go and eat rat poison to try and thin your blood and stop you having a stroke oh, I don't think so so why are we chucking that that poison down our necks yeah and look a plain aspirin thins your blood my mother used to take mm-hmm. aspirin to thin your blood um and you're absolutely right it's just <laughs> I was doing my research yesterday and um you know they said basically it's a myth this red wine is absolute bullcrap it doesn't mm. you know it doesn't it's not going to stop you from having bloody heart attacks. But, again, the wonderful world of marketing leads us to believe, and there's some of the stuff I read yesterday when I was researching, I was sitting there just laughing at they Exactly, they were telling you that it was good for all these things. When at the end of the day, when you stop drinking, you know that it really just isn't. It's just not. You know, what they lead us to believe is just crap. Anyway, moving on um, to number two is better quality sleep. Now, this obviously affects everybody and it affects us because it's a third of our life that we've spent on doing it. Basically, with alcohol, you know, it affects the central nervous system and um, it's a depressant causing brain activity to slow down. It's got sedative effects, as we know, and it's absorbed into the bloodstream. And there's basically four stages of the sleep stage. Number one, when your body shuts down, um, your heartbeat will begin to obviously come down, your breathing and your eye movements too. So you go into a very sort of very, very slow, slow, slow state. The heart, number two, the heart eye movements continue to slow down towards a deeper sleep and the body temperature decreases as well, but your eyes will become still. So that's um, interesting to know too. And that's now stage two is actually the longest of the portions of the stages of your sleep, which is something that I didn't know. And stage three is basically the heartbeat and the breathing rates and the brain activity all reach its lowest level. And the eye movements cease and the muscles are totally relaxed. And this stage is known as slow wave sleep. So that's another stage there. Now stage four kicks in after about 90 minutes after you fall asleep. 
the eye movements will restart and the sleeper's breathing rate and heartbeat will quicken. So dreaming mostly takes place during the REM sleep and the REM is rapid eye movement. This stage is also thought to play a role in the memory consolation. So that's because you're dreaming, basically why your dreams come about. That's exactly what happens to you. Now, the stages actually repeat in a cyclical form. So they just go around and round and round throughout the night. But each cycle is roughly about 90 to 120 minutes. And if you have alcohol before you go to bed, um, that can add to the suppression of the REM sleep during the first, the first two cycles. So some fall into a deep sleep rather quickly, <laughs> hence we crash and bomb yep. at night. And this could create the imbalance between the slow wave and the REM sleep resulting in less of the latter and more of the former. So it decreases the overall quality of your sleep. It means that you have shorter durations, hence we wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and we get more sleep disruptions. And I know for me, it's happening even now that I'm not drinking or maybe I think I'm drinking because I wake up every two bloody hours and I think I'm probably getting into but I'm dreaming like crazy I can have a dream wake up go to the restroom come back and I go straight back into that dream it's really quite weird but that certainly explains why we're we're having disruptive sleep you know it's not continual and god bless anyone who's getting seven hours straight even non-drinking do you actually get a full sleep I, I do a lot better now than I ever have. For, for many, many years, I've had problems with sleeping, but it was because of the alcohol probably and sort of the fibromyalgia, I think, but made a lot worse by the alcohol. But you know, a lot of people drink um, because it helps get them to sleep. And I've heard yeah. in my professional life, a lot of people saying that, that I drink because it helps get me to sleep. Now, this people is true. Alcohol is an anaesthetic. It is going to numb you. So it will get you off to sleep but it will not keep you asleep and it will not let you have the full stages of sleep that you need in order to wake up refreshed. So if you think alcohol is helping you to sleep, it's not. It's anaesthetizing you to get you off to sleep, but it's not helping that full sleep cycle. And I would certainly say now, sort of my 50, I've lost count now, 52 weeks in a year, isn't this? About 55 weeks in. I'd say that I, I probably don't get a full seven hours, but that is purely because um, I'm a 56-year-old woman and I'm postmenopausal and I have to get up to wee and no matter how, what time yeah, I feel. just. Mm. So, yeah, so I will get up to, to do that. But um, I'm sleeping a lot better. But, you know, I think sleep's a really important one because we see it time after time um, with people when they first start out getting sober they quit drink and they're really really struggling with their sleep so much so they're climbing the walls that they're they're crying out for help because you know we we need sleep to to be able to function Mm. um i know with sort of fibromyalgia a lot of it comes down to to sleep and they actually did studies sleep studies on making people be sleep deprived for 48 hours and they all started showing signs of fibromyalgia and other physical illnesses we need our sleep and you know you're going through your detox in the early days you're withdrawing from a substance physically you're then trying to unhook from it emotionally and then you can't sleep and I think this is something that hooks a lot of people back in in the early stages is the just need to sleep um but it does pass that is the good news that the sleep or the insomnia does it does get better um and I go to bed 
quite early, but I'm up early now. You know, I might be up at five o'clock in the morning, but that's fine because I'm awake and I feel refreshed. So even if I have less sleep, even if I were just to get five hours sleep a night, it is a hell of a lot better than 12 hours drunken sleep. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to just say that I can sleep for two or three hours and get up at two in the morning and I'm as fresh as a button. I mean, I've always been an early to bed, early to rise girl, um, simply, as I said before, just from going to work. So most of my life, I was very used to getting up early and I can bounce out of bed, no problems when I was drinking or not. But now I don't seem to be as tired when I'm not drinking. You know, I can have a few hours and then even take a nap. And it's a bit like if you think about people say, look, if you can just get a 20-minute nap in, people will wake up really refreshed. I mean, look at Drifter, for example. He's a truck driver. He gets yeah. very little sleep. And that man operates somehow. To me, he's not made of this world. But he does <laughs> survive on very little sleep. And mm. it's interesting how people say, oh, you can have a 20-minute nap and wake up refreshed. I'm like, can you? I have a, If I try and sleep during the day, I wake up as groggy, and as grumpy as hell, I'm, I, I can't sleep during the day. But lately I've said to myself, you know what, if you get up and you want to get up in the middle of the night and, you know, make a cup of decaf coffee because I don't drink caffeine anymore mm-hmm. um, and, you know, watch a bit of an old movie, I'll do that. And then I'll go back to bed and read. But listening to your body is really important because, like you said, in the first, you know, couple of weeks, your body is in chaos trying to get this poison out of you. It doesn't know what's hit it if you've been a long-term drinker. And, you know, a heavy drinker. So that's just part and parcel of having to get that poison out of you, like you said. But I always said for me, I always thought it was going to be at least a year before everything settled down for me, just simply because I drank for so many years. I can't expect it all to be perfect. And there are other nights, you know, that I can go to sleep really easily. When I'm tired, I find that I am getting that sleep. So I'm trying to wear myself out more now you know, and having like a bath before I go to bed and trying to relax before I go to sleep. Sometimes I'm going to sleep, you know, on motivational stuff to do with sobriety. So it's probably not the best thing. But um, you do, you need that sort of downtime. You need to turn all your devices off. You need to, you know, not have the telly on like I do but before I go to bed or read or have the iPad on. I've got everything going, you know, the phone, the iPad. They say don't do that. Just take 20 minutes. Calm down for yourself. Take some, they reckon deep breathing is really good just before you sleep, just taking 10 deep breaths. So there's just some little things there that, you know, people can try. Um, moving on, do you want to say anything else about sleep? No, I was just about to say sleep hygiene is really, really important, just having that routine, having that wind-down time. You know, we do it with our children. We had it as children, you know, mm-hmm. that, that routine, that wind-down um, and we really need to do that and just calm ourselves down and get ourselves ready for sleep each night. Um, and and we'll do, we can do another podcast on that and some sleep hygiene would be a good one to do. Maybe we need someone to read us a bedtime story. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, on the calm, <laughs> if anyone hasn't got the car map, the car map, they've got some nice stories for adults, nighttime yeah. stories for adults on there. That's quite good. Yeah. Yeah, well, you do find reading can, you know, wind you down, put you into another world and Mm. prepare you to close your eyes and go to sleep. The number um, three one is sweating. Oh, my God, this one I do not miss at all. Um, For a career, a lot of my time I was in front of people. And I think to myself now when I smell other people, oh, my God, Deb, oh, my God. Because I don't think it mattered if you put perfume on or not. Imagine perfume 
and alcohol. What a lovely combination. Doesn't <laughs> perfume have alcohol in it anyway? I mean, I probably just smelt like a walking freaking brewery half the time, most of the time. You know, mm. and here I am presenting to people, meeting clients, and it's really funny because I have my chewies and I'd always sort of try and keep my distance, and a lot of them that I knew wanted to hug me. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not a hugger because like, I'm not a hugger anyway. But like, no, I'm good. You know, put the hand out and, the, and you know, you don't get the clammy hands anymore. And apparently your feet too. Some people used to get a lot of really cold feet. I never suffered with that and I never really suffered with the clammy hands. But just from the nervousness, if you get, you know, I used to get sort of not nervous but excited, you know, when I was seeing people that I really like and sometimes you can break out into a sweat. And that's another thing too. If you If you are nervous, just turn it into a positivity of being, you know, excited, because I really think that it is it's camouflaged as excitement. We're not really sure, am I nervous or am I excited? Because if you're meeting someone, and I go back to the old analogy that you're really excited about, you've got butterflies and everything, you're nervous maybe a little bit, but you're more excited about seeing them, right? Yeah. So yeah. where's that fine line? I do not know, but I do know that you can switch it into a positive excitement. Yeah, because the, the physical sensations are exactly the same for excitement yeah. and nervousness or anxiety. And that's something that I've been noticing, um, you know, since I got sober is that the old me. I mean, I, I went out for a ride out on my Riker on um, Monday with a, a guy who's a Riker owner near, near me. Um, so it was really nice to go out for a ride with a fellow Riker rider because there's not that many in the uk i know there's loads there's thousands in in where you are in in the states but there's not many here um so it was really lovely but uh, you know that morning i was feeling quite anxious or excited and and my, my son's going well, well don't go then i'm like well, i want to go but this is part of the understanding of me the old me would have had a drink before i went to quell down those feelings and those emotions the new me is having to sit with them and get used to them and say you know what it's okay it is okay to feel them whether it's anxiety or excitement no matter what is it, it's actually okay to be feeling that it's normal it's normal <laughs> That's the difference right there. Instead of having that drink, embrace what you're feeling. It's a good feeling to mm. be able to be excited to be getting out on your bike. That's a bloody fantastic feeling. You know what I mean? And isn't it funny how we used to do that? We think that we need it. It made us believe that we needed it to cope. When yeah. really we, we were just doing ourselves no, just another disservice really because you were fine just the way you are. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I love that's very Bridget Jones, isn't it? Bridget, I love you just the way you are. You're okay just the way you are. You know, me, I think I know a song that uh, has that, you know, everything with me has that song to it, you know that. Um, the number four is great, improved memory. This is really good because when you're binge drinking, um, yes, or drinking a lot, we're always, and I know I got to the point in the end when I think, I wonder which glass is going to make me black out. I wonder if it'll be this glass or the next one because I thought back and I thought, how do I know when I'm going to black out? I could never pinpoint it. And I never worked it out because you don't know. It just comes upon you. And you, and people would say to me, no, you're fine. You know, you, there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm thinking, I don't remember after a certain point. And that was the scary thing in the end that I could not trust myself. That was really freaking scary to me um, that I would black out and even at home, and I was talking to Polly about this yesterday, about how we'd be sitting down watching a movie and I swear to God, I was looking at the screen and I couldn't tell you the next day what the movie was about and always 20 minutes before the end, I'd say, I'm going to bed now. 
And my husband would look at me and say, but there's only 10 or 20 minutes to go. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to bed. I didn't even care about the movie. I don't think I was even watching it. And what land I was on, God only knows. I can tell you right now. But the brain will start to recover the volume of that lost grey matter within a week. Within one week, it will start to repair itself of your last drink. And the other areas of your brain in the white battle, you know, the one that's in the prefrontal cortex, that takes a bit longer. That takes several months um, or, or even longer to come back. And I know with me, things are coming back intermittently because even someone, I was talking to one of my best friends the other day who I went to school with and I was telling her about something and she said, my God, your memory is incredible. And it's almost like I can remember the early stuff really super well, even though a lot of it, the pre 10 years of age stuff was traumatic but my 10 to 20 I can remember really well and then it gets because I started drinking at 18 really heavily from there to sort of 50 odd you know it comes in it comes in waves isn't it interesting but um because my memory was clear back then you know my brain was clear my body was clear I wasn't drinking alcohol but if you drink really really long term we all know that can have permanent damage to the brain and um, God for, oh, Jesus, you know, it's so sad. You know, I've just been down the street this morning and people were, these policemen were, were removing the homeless guys from where they live. They all have a place where they live and they've got made up beds and couches and everything there and they're having to move it all. And there's one poor man and you can just see he's just not with us and neither are some of the others. Their brains are just completely gone. You know, it's just so, so sad to see. And unfortunately, that's our image of you know, an alcoholic who's homeless and is just existing and not living in this world. Um, we know that we damage brain cells. It's not a good thing. We're, I think most people know that. But the symptoms when you do and are going towards this permanent damage will basically include you have difficulty walking, you get blurred vision and blurred speech, and obviously your slow times and your reaction times are really, really slow, and your memory is just non-existent yeah. pretty much for a lot of it. That's a good job I stopped when I did then, really, isn't it? You know, I had all these diagnoses. I still do have the diagnosis of the functional neurological disorder and fibre, but I was obliterating my neurons. And and people, I was just drinking. I'm going to say I was just drinking because a lot of people think this is normal. I drank a bottle of wine every night for 22 years, at least. You know, I'd have some binges on top of that as well. But many people in the UK would drink a bottle of wine at night. That's quite normal. But, you know, just just with that, I was drinking away my neural pathways. Um, I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. Well, I could, but, you know, I'd fall all over the place when I was sober. I couldn't walk properly. I couldn't talk properly. I'd bump into things. I'd drop things. Um, My memory was completely shot to bits. Um, So since I stopped drinking, drinking I've regained and retrained my brain with those um and my day-to-day memory is a hell of a lot better a lot lot better um but so you know I, I did get in there before it got to that stage but also what I did was I obliterated my brain with omega-3 as soon as I quit alcohol um Craig Beck recommended 3,000 milligrams a day um which is what I was taking for at least the first six months plus multivitamins and also vitamin b is really important b6 mm-hmm. and especially b12 as yeah, well absolutely um, absolutely yeah just uh, to be sort of trying to establish that nervous system um because there's two with the dementia as well that you know it, alcohol can cause dementia 
And one of the dementias is called Korsakoff psychosis, which comes from vitamin B12 dementia, um, de deficiency. So we have B12 inside us, which is called our intrinsic factor, which is mostly in the gut. And when we drink, we knock out our B12. Now B12 helps with absorption of all the nutrients that we need in our body. And when we haven't got enough B12, then we cannot absorb stuff. We get brain damage from that and then we get a dementia and then of course there's the other dementia which is just direct killing of the of the of the brain cells which Craig Beck will say is napalm it's like throwing napalm at your at your brain um, it just strips it it strips it of its oils and it strips it of its cells so um, yeah really really important to to stop drinking for your memory because mine is so much better I can remember what I had for breakfast today which is a result yay I know it's terrific and in Australia and you may have it in the UK there's an orange tablet like um, thing that you put in a drink called Barocca have you ever heard mm -hmm. of Barocca yeah and the yeah. ad goes Barocca gives you Barocca gives you back the BBE bounce and it basically <laughs> replaces all your vitamin B and everybody uses it for hangovers. And not that I'm recommending that you use it for hangovers. You shouldn't have a hangover. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, if you stop drinking, you won't have to use it, trust me. But we did. We used to, I was popping Barocca's like all the time because it would. It would give you that burst. And I guess now people use those energy drinks, drinks that have the same effect. You know, mm -hmm. they give you back that bounce, don't they? But yeah, improve um, your memory. That's it's it's a wonderful thing, and it, it catches me by surprise now. Like I, you know, it's almost like what's going to come next. I sort of look yeah. forward to it. Now, moving on to number five, improved concentration and mental clarity. And again, that brain fog has lifted. Oh my God! Mm -hmm. Thank God for that. So basically, if you, uh, you know, your diet has a lot to do with it. You know, I think we all. Are eating pretty well at the moment. I mean, we'll just forget the sugars for the moment. We'll yeah, get back we'll to that. About that. Yeah. But you know, with we're sleeping better. I mean, even as I said, I may not be sleeping as long, but I'm certainly going to bed early and I'm sleeping better, even in small instances. I'm eating better. I eat a lot of smoked salmon, I eat a lot of salmon full stop, I eat a lot of omega-3s, a lot of spinach, a lot of greens, a lot of fish. Just just do. I mean, well, I'm like typical me, either really, really good or really, really bad. So while I'm eating well, I've got the bad stuff on the side. Um, your deeper levels of concentrating because you're not as overwhelmed in that brain fog, are we? You know, we were able to handle things better. We were able to approach life in a different way. And even if it means making that, you know, to-do list and getting things done, and this runs into, I'll just combine number six with this, with your higher productivity. You know, we've got more time to get things done. We can manage our lives just so much better now because before a lot of it was unmanageable and we were just getting through the day. And I don't know about you, but I write everything down. I have a to-do list for everything, even my shopping, because I feel like I'm achieving something you know, at off. the end of the it's day. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're right. You know, I, I, the last week that I've had, I would, I would have described it in the past as the week from hell, that I'd had the week from hell. But I haven't felt like that at all. This last week I've been like, do you know what? This week has been quite stressful and it's been really, really busy, but it was all completely manageable, completely mm. manageable. My stress levels have raised a bit. I am having a little bit of anxiety about stuff that I need to get sorted and get done. But it's not the week from hell. It was just a really, really busy, busy week that was quite stressful. Everything was being thrown at me at once from the universe, but it was all manageable. It was all manageable. Um, now, if I'd had a week like that before in the past, it would have been 
totally unmanageable and I would have been in a slump and I would have just drunk more and more to try and cope with it and got nothing done. That's exactly, exactly right. And it's funny because nature's way gives us a way of coping and nature just does. The natural, our natural, the way we are, the way we're built, the way we cope. And it's your attitude too, because obviously you're very positive now. You know, you've got a really good outlook on life. You're feeling good. And that really helps with dealing with any situation. I truly believe the way we approach it. And, you know, you can think about it. You can sit back and say, okay, I've got to deal with this. I just mm. do. It's not going away. But how am I going to deal with it? I know before when I was drinking, I was very reactional. Just, you know, I wouldn't take a beat on anything. It was just like, you know, yeah. And sometimes, I, you know, I well, from some, I didn't handle a lot of things in the best way. And I wasn't really getting across what I wanted to say properly a lot of the time because I'm extremely direct anyway. But it just didn't do me any favours, whereas now I can deliver my message, I think, in, a, in just a, just with more clarity and I don't have to say as much and I just, you know, can get it done. And I can manage just so much, so much more better. It's just because you're going to have life is ups and downs. It is a roller coaster. You know, you're not going to get away with a, you know, a golden ticket to life per se just every single day. But it is a lot. It is a lot of manageable. But there are a few things that are very, very hard to manage and grief would probably be the most difficult I think you yeah. know that that one in itself is is something that you need professional probably help for and need to tackle with um over time but little things and just day-to-day things we should be able to get done um moving on yep number seven but you better gym results because alcohol basically decreases our protein synthesis by 37 percent now this is interesting with males because that basically means that their muscles are not to, you know, when they're pumping away at the gym, their muscles weren't working as hard when they were drinking. So stop drinking and you're going to have big muscles, everybody. And it, it also affects their testicles, dare mm. I say. Okay. Yes, it does. Um, and because it, it affects the whole testosterone production. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's very, very interesting, isn't it? Because I think probably well, women have testosterone too, don't we? We have some of it. Yeah. Don't we? Bit. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. I always said it's half man, half woman. But it's true. You know, it, it depletes everything. Our muscles, you know, we could probably get what's that the thing for women when they have weak muscles? Um, osteoporosis. You know, thank oh, you. Osteoporosis. Thank you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And you can see, even with some women where they haven't toned up or haven't done sport when they get old, the skin basically falls off the bone. You know, mm. it's that real, it's all hanging and everything. So, I mean, I'm a big girl, but luckily I did a lot of sport and I'm pretty toned. So, you know, Alcohol, I believe, in itself will erode you, and I do mean it's like an erosion from inside out. You might as well just pour acid down your, down your throat now because it, it just depletes every single thing in your body and your mind. It really, really does. Yeah. But number and eight, it, the good news. Sorry, sorry no, darling. Just, no, yeah. yeah, so absolutely. It does demotivate you as well. It does demotivate you as well for doing things. And, um, you know, I think it's important to remember when we talk about gym and things like that, we're not talking about people having to go and pump iron, having to run a marathon or whatever. Mm. There's little things and it's about getting your baseline. So for me, each day I have a baseline walk that I have to do. It's, it's tiny. It's about a two-minute walk, but yeah. that is that is my baseline if I can do more each day fantastic um but my team walk is my baseline so it's about you know having more energy 
um, more motivation and more physical and muscular ability. Plus our heart is pumping better as well, which we've already said. So, you know, it will help all of those things, but I don't want people to go, oh, well, I don't go to the gym, so that doesn't matter. We're talking exercise and exercise is anything that's good for you. It may even be armchair yoga or your physiotherapy stretches, you yeah, know, yeah. you will have more ability to be able to do what you need to do to keep your yourself in optimum peak performance. Yeah, like you said, exercise, period. As long as you're moving, I don't care if you're walking around the house 20 times a day, just keep mm. moving. And like you said, it could be yoga, it could be stretching, it could be anything, because um, it's going to help your mind as well too, isn't it, really? Yeah, for me, I like the pool, and I like the pool because it takes all the weight and strain of everything that hurts in me away. Mm. Um, the pool is it for me at the moment, and get as I get older, anybody who's got a pool, get in there and run and do aqua aerobics, do anything, dance in the pool, and even dancing around. I know the last time I lost a huge amount of weight, I was basically just dancing in the room I had above my house. I put the music on and I just would go for it for an hour, and I lost seventy pounds. And that's the thing I'm not doing now that I need to get into. Put some music on, have a dance. Yeah, do okay. whatever you can. After yep, this podcast, so, you get that music on and you have a dance. Yeah, Me, I'll go people. I'm going to go and lay in your hammock. That, what you said about swimming, <laughs> about the weight. Like, I love my hammock for my aches and pains in my back because it just, it's zero gravity. So, you know, it's just such a great way to relax. I don't necessarily sit and meditate, but I can just relax in my hammock and just zone out for a bit. That's cool. Yeah, well, I pity up the people downstairs when I start dancing around here because I hear the people upstairs <laughs> and God knows what they're doing half the time. Um, but, yeah, that's what we were just moving on to, number nine. There are less aches and pains and inflammation caused by alcohol because it decreases the better blood flow. And your circulation when you stop drinking is so much better. You know, your skin improves. It's amazing. You should get less headaches. All these things that happen to us, it's really quite amazing. Your skin, look at the skin, how it improves. How many people do you turn around and say to you, my God, you're glowing. You look yeah. so healthy. People have used the words healthy to me. Oh, you, they said to me, you've always had good skin, dear, but now it's amazing. At the moment it is not, but that's to do with the sugar. But, yeah, all these things. And circulation is so important, isn't it, again? Because those vessels are not narrowed anymore. They're allowed to do what they're meant to do in the state they were meant to do it in. So and, yeah, the, and we're hydrated more as well now, aren't we? That's and that the was thing. the other thing I was going to add. Thank you for putting that in there. Yeah, absolutely right. And the colour, look at you, you've got colour back in your face. I remember my dad saying to me, oh, I've got to go home for the weekend. And he said to me, why are you so pale? You're always pale. I said, Dad, I'm just white. But you know what? He was right. And then I ended up with rosy cheeks from that bloody readiness that alcohol gives you. That yeah, wasn't the right readiness yeah. I wanted. <laughs> oh, my God. And again, that's going to take a while to go too. And that that's really ugly. And you get like, oh, spider veins and all yeah, sorts of things really happening. Really, I don't, that's just no, not good. No, it's horrible. And it hurts. Nobody told me it? that. Yeah. It I hurts. I, I'd, be, I'd be trying all things. I'd be getting antibiotic oh. cream for my rosacea and all sorts and, and all these expensive creams to try and tone it down, this ring cream and everything. And then I'd have a glass of wine and it would hurt and it would burn. And I tried everything to cover it, but all I had to do was stop drinking the bloody wine and it just went. Yeah, I wish someone had told me this when I was in my 20s. And, you know, if you think that we're paying out on alcohol, yeah, we bloody well are. Because this is all the crap it does to us that we didn't know about. Well, I didn't know about half of this for sure. 
Oh, so yes, do yourself a favor, give, give your skin a break. Um, number 10, less anxiety and depression. Oh, I love this one. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because this is this was debilitating in my life. It really, really was. And as I said before, I can now count on myself. I wake up in a good mood most days. Um, you know, I have that beautiful just contentment and inner peace. And I feel like everything's working within me the way it should be. I always, I almost feel like that old model car that's just getting restored bit by bit because that's what my brother-in-law does. He restores old cars. And when I finish, hopefully after about a year or two, I'm going to be this gleaming, shiny new model. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Lamborghini, Lamborghinis. <laughs> we'll be Lamborghinis, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm just going to be that. Yeah, the old classic. That's, that's what I'm yeah. going to be. Don't worry about that. So, yeah, how is your uh, anxiety and depression? Oh, it's, it's good. It's getting loads, loads better. You know, we, we spoke in the last podcast that, you know, I was prescribing medication to people antidepressants and saying, don't drink alcohol on this because alcohol is a serotonin depressant and it will make you depressed and blah, blah, blah. And then I'd go home and take my antidepressants and pop open the bottle. Um, but yeah, we, we know it is a real chemical thing that alcohol is a depressant. And the reason it's depressant is because it reduces the serotonin levels in the brain and the gut. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that 90% of serotonin is actually in the gut. There's only 10% in the brain. Mm. So, and a lot of the manufacture of it actually starts in the gut. And of course, we're just poisoning our gut. We're drinking away our serotonin because mm. we're putting all this arsenic and poison into our stomach night after night, day after day. And we're just drowning the serotonin. Um, and that's why... We get so lonely, so depressed, so sad and so, so anxious um, because, you know, when we haven't got the right chemical balance, other chemicals going to hit in, like the adrenaline's going to start kicking in, the, putting the body into panic, into overdrive. So once we stop drinking, our body can start to mm. get back to where it should be. And, um, you know, that's a real chemical thing that's happening. Um, and that's why initially the anxiety can get quite heightened, especially towards the end of drinking. And initially when you stop, it can really, really heighten. But it will pass and it does calm down. Yeah, it was, um, as I said, it was debilitating to the point where I didn't want to leave the house. I just didn't no. want to, I just couldn't do anything. And I, and I knew that this wasn't me, but I just got to the point where I was so overwhelmed with what out the grip that alcohol had on me that I didn't care I just succumbed to it and I thought this is not you you're a fighter but I was so out of whack my body and mind was so out of whack that it was like you know what I can't even deal with you and so hence back to the bottle just where he wanted mm. me you know I just just didn't want to deal with it because I knew how much work was ahead of me I knew how much was ahead of me but now sitting here I know it was also worth it it's crazy, isn't it? But um, it moves on to the next one with the overall sense of well-being. Go on. Yeah, no, I was just going to say the um, the other important thing to remind people of as well is in the early days of drinking is it takes 24 to 48 hours to get the alcohol out of the system. And a lot yeah. of us are evening drinkers and we get anxious of an evening. So I'd come home from work, I'd start feeling anxious. It was coming towards sort of one o'clock. Um, I'd be getting anxious and I'd, I'd be going and drinking to... Um, 
to settle down my anxiety and that's mm -hmm. what a lot of people do but it's not actually settling the anxiety people it's just a reminder that actually what it's doing is it's just stopping the withdrawals from the alcohol so that anxiety that you feel every 24 hours is because you're starting to withdraw from the alcohol so when you take that first mouthful your anxiety you think you're settling it's not you're feeding the you're stopping that withdrawal process as well so um really important just to remember that as well because a lot of people drink because to settle the anxiety it makes anxiety worse if you think it makes it better it's just because it's anesthetizing you numbing you and stopping the withdrawals from alcohol so it will get better and as king was about to say as well lead into that overall well-being yeah no but you know you're, you're so right and i'm just going to stick on this for a moment because I, like you, have been, I've been really tested with stress in the last couple of weeks, like tested, and even to a point where I really, really wanted to just forget. And if ever there was a time when I had to pull on every damn resource that I had learned, it was this week, late last mm. week and this week, really, really badly. I got to a point where I thought I just can't deal and make everything right and some these, all these things are out of my control they're not in my house they're things I'm dealing with outside and it gets back to that circle you can only control what's within your circle and even though you're trying to help and you're trying to do the right thing I am stuck in situations personal situations that I thought you know what and because I'm not there physically because these are happening in different countries it is really really difficult to actually be in front, face-to-face -face with these people because I know I could make things better. But this is what I hate sometimes about not being there physically, you know, because you don't have the same impact. You can't have the same effect and you can't get things done as, just as quickly, you know. It, it's so frustrating. But I could have just drank and drank and drank the other day, really, really could have, but I didn't. And I just thought, you know, it's so interesting now because even when I was thinking that and I thought, yeah, you know what, you could, because I was like talking to, so I was talking to my best friend who helps me stay mm -hmm. sober, which is the other me. I said, you could, but what's going to happen tomorrow? You're just going to be really pissed off. And I was thinking of Shiki again. And it was so true. And I basically just talked myself out of it. And I said to the addict voice, I said, oh, you know, fuck off. I don't want to hear your voice. Just go away. I'm talking to her. And I just made him a third person <laughs> and put him out of the conversation and basically talked to me as if, you know, I was my best friend telling Deb, you don't really want to do that because you've done this, this, and this. And it, it really worked. So I know now that gave me so much more confidence to know that no matter how much anxiety and how much stress I am going through, and as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of our darling, darling friend, tea lover. You know, I really, really know that I can handle this. It's not to say that it's, you know, that something won't trigger me, but 99% sure that I'm doing and getting the benefits of all the hard work I've done. And I just want people to know that, that if you do the work and if you've got the tools, they're stuck in the back of my brain now, they are there for me to use. And that, again, means I can count and trust on me. That is a brilliant feeling. That's mm. a really, really damn good feeling. And I guess, like I said, we can go into the, you know, the, the feeling of well-being now because basically when we're drinking, we would spend half a day getting over the hangover till lunchtime. You know, foggy brain, oh, I'm at work, oh, I've got to see three clients this morning, holy shit, and I'm driving. This is really, really great, Deb, you know. The anxiety of not being picked up by the cops and all this stuff, going to see clients, no, I was stinking, you know, in front of it, like just everything 
when I look back, I don't even know how I was bloody successful, to be honest with you. I sometimes think, shit, a brick. You know, like, oh, my God. I think it was just that I knew how to do my job well. I can't put it down to anything else because, yeah, high-functioning or what do they say? But, you know, um, you do, you spend half a day recovering. Now, your well-being now, all these things that we've talked about, it all comes together, doesn't it, just to make a one good whole human being at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think the biggest thing for my well-being was looking at the areas of control. And, and that's the circle that you were just talking about. And I say to people to stand up straight, put your arms out to your side, swing from you, your waist. Um, and that where you can touch your area of control. Other people say, imagine a hula hoop on the ground around you. Stand in the middle of it. Not the hula hoop, Chris, the hula hoops that you swivel around your waist, you know, and do you <laughs> Um, You know, that is your area of control. And the, the other key, key thing for me is like acceptance. Knowing that's your area of control, accepting that everything outside of that is beyond your control. Um, if we resist that, if we resist stuff that's going on in our life rather than accept it, then it just makes us emotionally oh, just ravaged. It, it does me anyway. And it's kind of so, look, at this is my area of control. I have to accept this is what's going on. I cannot change that. You can't control other people. All we can do is control and change our responses to what's going on and that's something huge that that I've been able to do in sobriety because my response would have been to go and pick up a bottle and drink and now I have to be a grown-up and I have to deal with it but every day it gets easier and easier and easier and um, I don't want to be that scared frightened little girl anymore I'm, I'm 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 loving or starting to love being being an adult and being the grown-up in the room still panics me and frightens me at times like ah oh it's me I'm the one that has to make this decision but do you know what it's it's okay I'm 56 it's about time I bloody grew up yeah and look making a decision even if you make one that's not perfectly right it's okay life's about living and learning you know what I mean Mm -hmm. you know it's fine and it gets back to that the well-being is about that state of homeostasis when the mind and the body is just in sync because my mind was out here and my body was over there and neither the two shall meet that's how I felt when I was drinking the whole time I never felt like myself you know it was like it was another person I, I I couldn't I couldn't touch the deep inside of me you know and maybe that's that'll go into like basically you know the feelings thing um feelings can be scary and this is you know number 13 good bad or indifferent you know the the feelings are wholesome now you know whether they're the loving the vulnerable ones the I don't know we were cheated with alcohol we really were when we were they took our feelings away we didn't gain the experience you know we drank to cope and and we just push the feelings down. Mm-hmm. You know, the good ones we'd embrace and run with that. Yeah, party time. Yeah, everything was great. Those feelings were really good. But the things that really mattered that develop us, like you said, and make us grow up, they were suppressed. Yeah. But I, I believe as well, my joy, I mean, I have never, I, I can't ever remember. I can't say never because I may well have done when I was a kid, but I cannot remember ever feeling true joy and happiness in the way that I feel it now That's so the way sad. I feel it now is just so I can I, I because I think I just always drank every feeling away so I mean to me the 
the joy and the happiness that I feel now is just incredible, absolutely incredible, and I, and I love it. So uh, even though we feel the feels more, even though we feel the anxiety and the depression and the anger more initially, um, y- you know, what comes along with that, even in very early sobriety, is like this real feeling of, of joy and happiness, and, and that's incredible, and that's the pink cloud that we talk about, is because we've not allowed ourselves in the past to, to feel that. Um, so you know the good feelings and the bad feelings I even embrace the bad feelings now the mere days the angry days the frustrated days I I just think well at least I'm feeling it and it's good to feel yeah I I don't know I was a bit different maybe because I was just partying 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 all through my 20s I was happy all the time I was happy when I wasn't happy you know what I mean I was a really happy drunk let me tell you in the beginning and even at work, I've always been a super highly energy positive person, always. And even if people are down, you know, I'm the girl to slap you on your back and say, come on, you know, and get you out of it. I mean, a lot of boyfriends would hate me because they'd say, oh, no, my girlfriend's going out with you. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm like, no, I'll look after him, you know, I'll be right. And I was. But I could always show everyone a good time. I'm sure we all could. We've all had, you know, times like that. I was the, go- the go-to girl for a good time. I just was. But also, people used to say to me, Deb, you know what? No one ever gets to know the real you. No one ever gets, I think I've said this before, no one ever gets to know what really you're feeling because you're always just this bubbly person that's, you know, on top of the world and, like, nothing bothers you. People had no idea what was deep. I had buried it so deep down inside. I wasn't going to address it. I didn't want to address it. I didn't even want to relive it or think about it ever again. So I lived in that pink cloud for a very, very long time. Um, but, you know, having said that now, sober, it's a different pink cloud without alcohol. It mm. is a pure joy. And sometimes I think, is this real? How long is this going to last for? Because this is, this is like weird. This is like a high that shouldn't feel natural. It should feel like it might be an impaired high, but it's not. It's not an impaired high. It's a real high. And it's now, real. you know. Things, things have balanced out. I mean, I went through a period in the five-month period where things were a bit near for me. I sort of went, all right, my clouds burst and, you know, and that, but that I'm looking back now, I know that that period of time for me, especially the four-and-a-half month to six-month, was really when sobriety became my normal life. I, I, I just changed into my normal pattern that I wasn't worried about giving it the attention. I didn't think about sobriety. I just went about my day. I didn't think about alcohol. I mean, I did think about sobriety, sorry, because I was working it. But I wasn't um, – it didn't bother me that, oh, I've got to stay sober, I've got to stay sober. I think that's more what I mean when I say sobriety. But I didn't think about alcohol. I was just doing the work, getting through the day, and was just sort of, mm, yeah, no, like, yeah, I hope this is worth it. You know, I went through that sort of period. I hope this all pays off. And then things changed again. You know, changed again. I went back up the roller coaster again. Where, aha! Uh-huh, it's seven months now. It's all changed again. And I actually feel like I've been at this a lot longer than I have. Seven months just seems like a couple of days to me. It doesn't seem that long, but I feel like I've been at it for about a couple of years. So God knows I'm going to feel in a couple of years. I probably feel like I've hopefully I've been at it forever because I have to remind myself, hey, you know what, girl? It isn't that long. You know, you could just just stop and take net. So take note. 
Don't get ahead of yourself, which is so typical me, getting ahead of myself. It's always, it's always only ever 24 hours. And this journey is different for every single one of us. Exactly. Come and go. And, you know, you're talking about your alcohol. Now, I was the life and soul of the party. I was the fun one. I was the mad one. I was all those things. And I remember, actually, my brother, um, my brother's six years younger than me, and he still I bumped into one of your your friends the other day, your old school friends, and and he was saying, oh yeah, I remember Karina. She was all so much fun. She was always such a laugh. And my brother's response was, my sister, fun, because I wasn't at home. <laughs> at home, I was like really down, really fed up, really withdrawn, scared almost to to talk or be. I yeah. I wasn't able to be me when I got out with my mates. And, you know, um, my, the alcohol, I could be what I thought was me. So I was all those things, but I didn't truly feel happy. I didn't truly feel that joy. I was a laugh a minute and I'd laugh along with the best of them, but I didn't ever feel the joy and the happiness that I feel now because mm. I was numbing it. So I couldn't genuinely feel it. This, this is the real feel and, and mm. I love it. The barricade of alcohol. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So then, to, did we jump from 10 to 13 then, didn't we? <laughs> no, I sort of just went into um, the feelings, but now I'm going back to the alcohol cravings. Oh, yeah, I might have run it. I might have gone out of sync, but that's okay. That's so fine. the cravings, um, yeah, the cravings will diminish. And they're different sorts of cravings. You know, in the first sort of day or two, it might be super high and then it might go down a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. It can actually go up, you know, after two or three days. So for anybody in really early, early, you know, two, three, four days, do not be surprised if it goes down and then goes starts to go up a little bit more again. But eventually it will go down again. It's kind of a little hump. Um, I don't know. They just they just say that that can happen because <clears throat> you need to replace that alcohol with something fun. Like you need to replace it with something. And we've recommended doing fun things, you know. Um anything just do anything you can to to not drink but yeah it's interesting is it because that happened to me it went sort of down and then I started to crave again a bit and thought oh crikey don't tell me I've been drunk and I'm craving but that's just your body the way your body reacts mm. yeah and and it comes and goes and it'll come back at, at different forms of intensity as well but it will pass and but it, it's funny when you said about having things to do after our last podcast I thought I haven't done a jigsaw puzzle for a while that was something mm. that helped me get through my cravings and my activities so I went and started a jigsaw puzzle that night because we were talking about fun things and the bubbles weren't we and uh, and it was funny because in a lot of our ladies groups people then I came off and I started my jigsaw puzzle and then one of the ladies in the ladies group and I started doing a puzzle with my son tonight and I'm like wow it's like how the universe throws all these things together at us doesn't it and uh, it's, it's it's kind of crazy but it's like no it is it's crazy and I was in the, the the grocery store the other day and I saw one of those books I don't know if you remember them where you actually find the words there's a big there's letters all over the page uh, yeah. Yeah. and you find the words well I used to do them a lot when I was 11 and 12 year old and they're just little, you know, couple of dollar books. And I bought one. And I really think, because I wanted to keep my brain active. I'm trying to get my brain to react, you know, quickly now. And I'm trying to help yeah. it along and build that muscle. 
and you know just finding the words in there and I used to love doing that so I sat down and did that again the other day and again I said do something that you found fun as a kid it, you know yeah. it doesn't have to be playing with Barbie and Ken or whatever it can be it could be any <laughs> sort of thing but hey if you want to play with Barbie and Ken go right in go ahead I mean yeah I've got a, I've got a bunny rabbit in my bedroom that I talk to oh Peter he yeah. keeps me company um anyway <laughs> and then we talked a little bit about in the last sorry I'm just going retail. <laughs> I was thinking you know if you want to play bar at Barbie and Ken you can do that and you started talking about rabbits so I'm sorry <laughs> I'm just, I'm just doing a poly. I'm just going from one branch to the other. I wanted you to pick up on that. I thought I'll jump all over the place and see if she picks it up. Just my my, my dirty mind was going all over the place there. I was going, oh, I was going the, down oh, more rabbit, rabbit holes. Oh, see, oh, well, mine just did. Oh, bad influence, Karina. They do have. They do say that rabbits, you know, do yeah, they breed like um wildfire. Um. <laughs> Oh, should that be a cut oh, in the take two? Um, oh. <laughs> right, <laughs> moving, moving on. Oh, Lordy Lord, Les Flynn, <clears throat> of which I'm just about to cough. <laughs> oh, God, we talked about this in the last one, that drinking alcohol, it lessens the urge to cough or sneeze, and that results in liquid buildup in your lungs and the dehydration, you know, becomes thicker mucus. It's like... Yeah, yucky stuff that we have. I tell you what, I tell you who loves to spit, people from China. <laughs> Sorry, <Yep>. it's just <laughs> gross. And when I worked in China, my staff, I'd have to give them spit buckets when they oh, were no. on the phone. And they weren't growing up in them because they had a hangover. They were spitting in them. And the same even um, if anybody does Ramadan, if they're Muslim, they are not allowed to spit, so you have to give them spit buckets. But the people in China, unfortunately, they spit on the street. And got, I've got a Chinese stepdaughter, but, you know, God love them. That's their culture. That's what they do. And it's mm -hmm. mostly, it's acceptable. It's like you can't chew um, chewing gum in Singapore. That's another poly just getting some useless information out there for the day. Yeah, no, I remember that. I went to Singapore <laughs> years ago and I, I was yeah. like, you can't have chewing gum. You're not allowed to take chewing gum in there. So yeah. At one point, the cops used to charge you and chuck you in the slammer. It was, yeah. Singapore is extremely, extremely clean. Very nice place. Now, number 16, we love this one, less baggy eyes to go with my baggy butt and my baggy gut. Um, <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't fixed that yet, not drinking alcohol, but less baggy eyes. They've opened again. They're not slits Yay. anymore, Deb. <laughs> and I mean, it's, I'm talking about my eyes. But, yeah, my eyes just shrunk into the back of my head. Yeah, people used to call me high beam because I was always like this with my eyes, you know, just making them bigger mm -hmm. when I talk. And people would go, hey, high beam, how are you going? And I never knew what they were on about. Well, I definitely became dimmed and low beam. How are your eyes, baggy eyes going? God. Yeah, baggy, I've always had baggy eyes, but I think especially when I look back at photos mm. in my height of my addiction, mm. I was like a hamster. I had great big cheeks <laughs> and made my eyes really sunken. I was like... <laughs> Little, little hamster face I have these sunken eyes but you know what's interesting tying in with the phlegm and that for years I've had to have um I just have that what's that stuff for you rhinitis so I've had to use sort of sprays up my nose for that and I've had to, I've got really dry eyes as well so I have to have drops in my eyes but the last couple of months I haven't needed that so much 
So obviously I haven't got the excess mucus in my nose and my eyes aren't as dry as they were. So, so yes, that's definitely. I can vouch for you, my love. You have no baggy eyes because I am looking at you and you look magnificent. No baggy eyes at all. Lovely and clear whites. Yes. That's another thing too. Your eyes become really white. Like (laughs) she's making funny faces at me. (laughs) If only you could see. We're having some fun here in the studio, guys. I mean, on the train. Sorry, nearly (laughs) nearly dropped that one in there. See, put mouth disease, Deb. Yeah, the train. You're making funny eyes at me. Don't don't make me laugh, Karina. (laughs) Um, Where was I at? Where was I at? Okay, more money. Ding ding, cha ching. Yes. All right. So I don't know how much you spent a day, but I worked out how much I spent in a like, no wonder why I got a nice new ring for my six-month <laughs> anniversary. <laughs> well, I don't drive here, you see. We don't need two cars. And I said, oh, you know, what I'd really like is to do, to do, because I'm a bit of a ring girl. Um, yeah, so that was lovely. And we do, getting these little rewards for yourself, I, I say to anybody out there, buy something you've always wanted with the money you've saved from not drinking. Reward yourself in a different way. And you know what? Like you did with the Can-Am. It's just, it, you so deserve it. We all deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like, um, you know, and I say to people, people go, oh, how can you afford that? Well, I mean, I, I spent at least £7 a day on alcohol alone. Um, but I, then that, that was that my all? minimum. That was my minimum. <laughs> yeah, my minimum. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think probably I'd spend... Being kind to myself, five thousand pounds a year, which is what about eight eight thousand dollars. That that's being kind. No, I'm to up myself. there with your sister. I'm up there. Yeah, with what you, I would have yeah. spent on alcohol a year. So that's paid half a bumblebee. You know, yeah. a year sober. Um, but as we said the other day, you you know what? I probably spend more now than I ever did on alcohol because it's like, oh well, that that that's a bottle of wine, or that's two bottles of wine. Yeah, I can get that. I can treat myself because that's what I would have spent on a bottle of wine. That's what I would have spent on three bottles of wine. Well, that's a week's wine. Let's treat myself. <laughs> so my money is going out, but I'm being able to buy stuff that's good, that's healthy, that I can enjoy, not something that is just going into a glass to numb all my emotions. Yeah, healthy conversions, I call them. Yes. <laughs> healthy that. conversions. You know what? Yes. <laughs> it's true. The choice is yours. Convert those yep. dollars into what you would love to have. And um, obviously, I've got more energy. If I get any more, I'm going to probably burst through this tower <laughs> that I live in. Um, I think my husband, my poor hubby, he's just like, oh, God, back to the days. <laughs> and this is like what I used to be like on drinking in my 20s. I was like, I am now which is quite, you know, yeah, quite, um, oh, I don't know, sitting here at 58. But my mother was the same, you know. Some of us have just got that inbuilt gene. And I can think of quite a few very high energetic people that I know, especially with their tongue. And um, yeah. one of them is in our groups, and I'm not going to mention who he is. He's an Irishman. And he's always got a lot to say. He's very high energy, isn't he? Yes. We're having a bit, of, a bit of a battle with him mean? at the moment. No, the girl's against the boys at the moment. It's seriously, and our drifter's bailed. He's on his own. So I told him he better come over to the girls' side before we ruin him. <laughs> oh, yes, it's all fun and games. But um, more energy is just brilliant. You know, becoming revitalised. Some people still need their coffee. Have your coffee. I do decaf only because my poor old heart, it will blow up if I do have caffeine and with this energy because I just don't need it, you know. And 
you know, we are in control now. It's, you know, you're in control of your energy, you're in control of your life, you're in control of how happy you want to be or how miserable you want to be. Um, and you are to a point, you know, it, it takes work to be, you know, positive, do your gratitude, do all this. But, you know, put your energies where it's positive, share it with people, even smiling at people. You know, I know Amy's a great one for that. You know, yeah. God bless her heart. Every time she's around people, she's smiling with us, no matter what she's going through. And that's infectious, you know. People, people love to be around someone that they feel good being around. We just yeah. do, you know. Yeah. It just lifts us up. Yeah, and if anybody wants to see more of Amy or hear more from Amy, you can see Amy on Wills on the Sober Town podcast. On her, this on is true. She glides yeah. along beautifully while she gives you some words of wisdom. Yes. She's excellent, excellent, excellent lady. Um, all right, we're getting to the end, my dear love. Number 19, contentment. I've just touched on a little bit. Just again, you know, with contentment, it's funny um, how because you're happier in yourself and you're just presenting that way that you've got this calm and just, just a really nice energy vibe, you know, you influence other people, whether you know them or you don't know them. I was talking to somebody in the supermarket this morning. It was a checkout chick. And she said, I love seeing you. You're always so happy. And I said, I just love coming here because you play great music. <laughs> they play all 80s. And everybody in the supermarket that works there sings. They all sing. Brilliant. They all know. They're all Spanish and they're singing English, English 80s songs. And it's fantastic. I said to the no. bloke today, good on you, mate. Can you sing a bit louder? And I just slapped him on the back and off I went. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> I, have a, I love going shopping with my trolley. And if anybody was in our group, I, I'll tell my, my trolley story one day. But, oh, God, that's that's another story. But I do. I just talk to everybody now. Whereas before, if I was nursing a hangover or I was having a foggy head and I felt like crap, you know, I was avoiding people. And now I don't avoid people. doesn't mean I'm going to be your best friend and talk to you for 20 minutes. But, you know, just say something nice to people in their day. Because I've got to admit, generally in Miami, people are pretty friendly. There's what's not to be friendly about. Most people are on holidays, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's true that there is so much more contentment, isn't it? It's like, you know, before you'd avoid eye contact. Now it's so great to look people in the eye and say, morning, hello, and just a smile and see their nods. And and I just get contentment in in everything. And, you know, this mm. morning we rode out to, to read and went this little two-car ferry just across the water just because we could and went for breakfast mm. and sat and watched the swing bridge and watched the boats going up the river and I spied a tractor in the field over the back and it's like, it was just wonderful. It was just amazing. And it's just those everyday things that just make me feel happy and good to be alive now. It's appreciation for life. And you're right, yep. it doesn't have to be anything magical. We sit here in the lounge, and even my husband, we look at manatees, that are, and I don't know if anybody knows what manatees are, but they call them the elephants of their sea. And they're these big, big, big things, and they're just so graceful, and they've got these big sort of whale tails. And they're so gentle, and they eat the moss, and they eat it straight across the road from where we, where we live. And, but we have these two doves that come and crap all over our balconies, but we love them. They just yeah. come back. And I'll go out there and I talk to them. I'm like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and they look at me like, what the, who are you? <laughs> like I'm, and I'm like, ooh, ooh. And they love each other. And they look at each other like, who's that stupid bitch? And they fly off. But uh, they're getting to know us. Like they get to know me because I can open the door now and they don't fly off instantly. 
they'll look at me, recognise it's me and take off. But, you know, just little things because we don't have a garden living in a high-rise apartment Mm -hmm. and I miss that. You know, I don't have the birds come. I miss my birds. I miss just the appreciation for nature. It's just so beautiful, isn't it? And all the dogs we have around here are just superb anyway. So, you know, I get my dog fixed from those sort of things, which is great. So I think, you know, we're not in the stage of, you know, like I'm not like, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. I don't do that anymore. Should have done this. I wish I had done that. Just do it. Just feel it. Just be it. It's just fine. And the more that you put into life, and, you know, somebody said that to me once, the more you put in, the more you get out. And it's so Mm. damn true, isn't it? The more you give to others, the more you get back for yourself. And that paying it forward thing, there's contentment in paying it forward. A lot of contentment. And if I can help anyone, especially some of these younger people that are coming through or anybody really that's struggling, that pains me because that takes me back to my pain. Mm. I I want to get them through to the other side of that bridge where they know that they can just get on their way and get through, like you said, the next 24 hours. You know, yeah. and you just want to hold their hand. And as I said, I'm a, I've got a back, I bought a manufacturing plant, did I tell you? Now I manufacture no. shields and swords. So on IAS, I put my shields and swords on there for anybody who needs one to fight off the attic voice. I am in the arena as a warrior fighting with you. So anyone that wants one, um, I can send them to you. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. so is this a real plant that you've bought then? <laughs> a, a manufacturing plant a, a no, real manufacturing plant no, or is it just something you've done I'm like oh my god that really confused me uh, do they really have factories that make shields no, and swords no. well, they must do <laughs> and why have you gone and bought that oh, I, lo- I love that you bought the story you know, in my brain I've bought a manufacturing plant and Your I'm manufacturing brain. shields okay. and swords to I give to everybody it. in the universe that needs to fight off right. the attic voice Thank you. Well, I can buy I, one I if you one. like I mean, I can buy. I don't know, buy them. They'll probably kill kill all, all the every human in the planet. But you know, I'll just I'll, I'm happy killing the attic voice first. You are so okay. Sorry, we'll do I that. love you. We'll focus on that. See, I love you. You're just like a that little and child you know playing with me. Karina Dotty Pot. I wonder where I got or how. No, I got that it's Karina, the little girl playing with me. We can play. We can play. You know, warriors. That's all right. Yes. We can do that. And for I'm just going to end this with, you know, basically a couple of things. But, you know, feel good about what you're doing, guys. Just feel good about it, whether you are at day zero, day one, day 10, day 50, day 1,000, whatever you are, feel good about what you're doing because you will feel organically good inside about what you are doing. You know, you will feel good every day. You'll feel good. Everything will be everything will be fine. Your life will be better. It will be improved. You'll have more productivity. And hydrate. Make sure you hydrate. And there is a formula that I looked at yesterday for hydration. And basically, it goes like this. So you take your body weight, and I'm not going to dare tell you what mine is. So your body weight, you divide it by two, and that equals the amount of ounces that you need to drink per day. Very simple. So if you're 100 pounds, you divide it by two, and that means you need to drink 50 ounces a day. Okay, sounds good. I'm gonna I'm gonna work that out afterwards. I wouldn't know how much I'm in pounds and ounces, but I should work it out. Oh yeah, I think well, I do. You, but, oh yeah, yeah. but no, I've, think, I've got it in stones and that in my head. So stones. I don't know about head. you, sweetheart, but with the amount of herbal tea I drink, I bloody drink me weight in tea every day. I, so I, I think I don't they're fine. Yeah. It. 
Oh, because yeah. I'm peeing like a bloody racehorse. And the last thing was, of course, the, the bar, bathroom breaks, but we sort of covered that. And the IBS in your stomach, my stomach is a lot, lot calmer, much mm. calmer than, oh, God, my stomach used to give me bloody hell. The old IBS was horrible. And because I wouldn't eat, you can imagine the effect that, you know, the next day was like it was, it was terrible. Now, you know. Everything is in harmony, let's just say. Good, good, good. And I think just coming back to, you know, when you're saying about all the good things that we do, it's really important every day at the end of each day to look at what we've done because it's really, really easy to beat ourselves up if I didn't get this done today and I didn't get that done today, especially in early sobriety. Um, You know, even if it is, right, I didn't do this and I didn't do this and I didn't do that, but I drank lots of water today. Ching, ching, that's a winner. You know, I went to the toilet when I needed to go to the toilet. Ching, ching. That's a winner. I made time for me. I had something to eat when I was hungry. Ching, ching. Winner. You know, it's looking at those those little things, those good things and those things that we do um, for ourselves. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't manage to go out to work today, but I managed to get up out of bed. You know, that's something we've done. For our, it, it's about looking at what we've done so if that's one thing from today that you take away from this is is each night or today at least think of something good that you've done for yourself or for other people but mostly for you we need to do stuff for ourselves each day and we need to pat ourselves on the back we're too busy beating ourselves up a lot of the time but with sobriety the further we get on in that the more we start to see the good in ourselves and others and that truly is a beautiful thing yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And the thing is with self-care, it is important and it's something that not everybody's good at doing. I think, you know, a lot of us struggle with that because we're giving so much to everybody else. Um, mm. What I've personally done is I've got a tiny little whiteboard. It's not very big, but those things that you've just mentioned, write them down. Just write down the one thing that happened to you that day that was different. One, day, one thing that you experienced that was good because all these things that we have discussed, they're not going to hit you in one day. They're going to come over a period of time. And whilst they say they happen in 30 days, it's not everybody's different. You know, some things may be stronger, some things may be weaker, but they all eventually will happen because you and I, and especially, you know, because you're further along than me, I'm sure you're a testament that is there any of those things that didn't work for you or are you not experiencing? No, all, all of those things, completely all of those things. And at different stages and at different times, I wouldn't say all of it in the first 30 days. Right, um, right. We are all different. And I'd also say that they come and they go again, a bit like yes. the cravings. They will come yep. and they will go. They'll dip in and out. Because as you said, life happens. Shit happens. We still have stress. We have emotions. We have things in our lives that are going to happen, that are going to impact us in different ways. There's going to be different things that will affect our sleep. There'll be different things that will affect our anxiety, different things that affect our hormones, different things that affect our ability to eat. Like if we get a bug or something or get poorly, you know, there's lots of things that will happen um, that will will change those things and make them come and go. But that is life. But, um, you know, with sobriety and by putting down the drink, at least we are normalising all those physical and emotional things. They're becoming normal for us they're becoming what they should be for us. They're not being tainted by something else that we're introducing to our body that has no right to be there, really. The only right, the only reason it's there is because of advertising and money makers and government selling us and telling us differently. But 
um, without it. Um, it's it's a win-win. And not only do I get excited that I've beaten the alcohol voice, I kind of, the little rebel in me, it was interesting earlier when we were talking, you noticed my tattoos and you said, show me yeah. your tattoos. And I saw you, you said you saw me such as a dainty, sweet little thing who wouldn't have tattoos, but I'm pretty badass and I'm a rebel. I really am a rebel. Um, and, you know, kind of with me, I'm like, I love to walk down the alcohol aisle now. I love it. I walk yeah. down the alcohol aisle, sticking out my tongue, giving it the middle finger, going, you're not going to get me, you little fucker. You know, and I gloat. I gloat that the government is not getting my tax money. I gloat that the advertisers aren't winning me over. I gloat that I've got the message and I'm sitting here with my finger up the whole time I'm saying this to you. <laughs> But it's, I'm happy. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because when I walked into the store this morning, the first thing I see is alcohol. And I think of you every time I go past the alcohol. I'm like, you know, when I say, what would mum do? I'm like, what would Karina do? And it's like, stick the fingers up. And I just have a giggle to myself, you know, like, hey, sucker, you're not getting us. And I always think of you when I go to a store and, and I see the alcohol presenting itself. Brilliant. And I'm like, doesn't matter how pretty you are, baby, you're not going to get us. You know, it's just hilarious, isn't it? And you're right, just, you know, just be happy with what you're doing today because um, there is a lot. And you said this is a brilliant foundation, though, for how many things, you know, are going to go right in our lives now that we've put the bottle down and given alcohol the arse, really. There's no, there's no, you just can't lose. You just cannot lose. And you said it beautifully. It's not meant to be inside us. We're not meant to drink poison. And there's so many other ways. And once you work out what works for you about combating that stress and that, you know, I want to drink, I want to drink, and you do something else and you replace it with the alcohol, your life is just going to be just full of quality, just full of quality. And um, I pray it's like this in the next life because I want to stay on this one for just a, you know, a little bit longer at this yeah. stage, that's for sure. But we just have to hope that we carry our learnings through to the next one, that we remember it all next time round. And uh, oh, oh, baby, <laughs> oh yeah, you better you believe know. it, girl. Might be yeah. making the same and, mistake again. No, and and it's so glorious when you get to this stage because you want that, you know, with your with your shield and your your sword and whatever way any of us do it. Um, Drifter in his arena, it it is just we so want this because it's so wonderful. You want to bottle it, don't you? And and you want to sort of, for those people struggling to put down the alcohol bottle, you want to bottle this feeling and almost pour it out for them and say, look, we just want you to taste this. We so want you to get here. And, you know, put that bottle down, keep working it, learn what works for you, keep connected and you will get there. You know what? This is a funny story. We were out the other day and um, I was with some friends and a, a couple I didn't know. And they were turning around, they turned around, they said to me, Oh my God, any poor would think you were drinking. That's what they said to me because <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know me from a bar of soap and everybody else was drinking. And they're like, My God, we just look at you and think you're half pissed. <laughs> and I said, yeah. You're pissed on life. Yeah. <laughs> is it? And it's so much better isn't it you are high on life and it's so much better than being high on anything else and I thought maybe I need to check myself because <laughs> you know, what impression am I giving off and then I thought oh who gives a shit anyway and they said no you're freaking hilarious we just thought you'd already been drinking I mean isn't yeah. that funny 
is it, that's just thought, I thought, oh, well, it is what it is and I am what I am. <laughs> but, but that's the concept again, isn't it? Is that you can't have fun unless you drink. Uh, here we are, people. Yes, you can. And we're living yeah. proof. Yes, you can. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we better get off this train now and say bye-bye. It's been lovely riding this train with you again. It's been and lovely riding it with you. It's brilliant. And anyone wanted, you know, whatever... Um, platform you listen to this on for all of our podcasts and many many more resources go to www.sobertownpodcast.com and we hope to see you all there again soon bye bye for now okay bye 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 bye